Hello and, and welcome to Brew Crew. I'm Jacob and I'll be hosting today's episode and I'm joined by Evan, Nate, Owen, Jacob, and we have a guest appearance by Sam. What's up? Yeah, how, how's everybody's doing? I'm doing good. It should be noted the the Evan and Owen are in quotes at the moment. They'll yes. probably <laughs> be joining us momentarily. In, in true yeah, Brew Crew fashion. Yeah. Like usual. But so happy to have <laughs> Sam here in their stead. Oh, yeah. Long time, long time uh, friend of the pod. Uh, we mentioned him actually in the previous pod or the previous, previous podcast. And, or the previous, uh, previous, previous. Good friend, good friend from, from Juniata. So yeah, we're happy to have him on today. As am I very happy to be here. This is a good group and excellent conversations all around. <laughs> Oh, you're making us blush. You're making us blush. <laughs> See, actually, we have actually, at least one listener, Mom. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so uh, actually, so Jacob is going to bring us into an interesting topic. Uh, but because we do have a, another listener on the show, uh, we do get to do something really fun. Uh, Jacob Novak, what is that? Uh, well, for the first time in like 13 episodes, we get to do... First impression. Amazing. Quite catch that. That sounds, wow. Everyone else. That was so good. <laughs> that was from Where episode was, five. Episode oh, five. And was that all you um, crew super fans out there? Who is oh. who was the last uh, first impression on the show? Uh, it was uh, Jacob Lador. Actually, I think we did a we did oh, a really? double. We did mm, Owen, right. and then we did you because because uh, I just clipped that out today, and so I know the full context. Because wow. we uh, had had just had consecutive Brew Crew episodes for the first time, uh, and we were sad that we weren't going to be able to do one for like another month because we were going on break, and so we did two first impressions to make up for it. That was solid. Those were the days. Nice. Yeah. Those were the days. 2018, I think. The end of it, right? Yeah, that was the end of 2018. Wow, man! Think wow. of how excited we Dang. were to do consecutive brew crews then, and now we're just on a roll. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, absolutely. Uh, yeah, first impressions, uh, Sam. Uh, let's let's just get into it. How about we do? Uh, uh, let's talk about the Maybe people who is. aren't here, so that they get okay. to miss out because it's their fault for not being here. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So what about your, your <laughs> first impressions of Sir Evan Quinter? Sir Evan Quinter. As best I can recall, Evan was first known to me as one of our little cohort of freshman year Frisbee uh, enthusiasts. Mm. And I would have gotten to know Evan a little bit, although honestly not not very thoroughly until much more later, but at, at the time it was, wow, look, there's a tall guy we can throw to. This is fantastic. And Except he didn't <laughs> was... have any hops. Okay, let's <laughs> be honest. He didn't need any hops. But... Like seven feet tall. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, I mean, that would have been the first environment sure. in which I acted much with him. He's not here, so you can, you can talk shit on him all you want, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's not like this is being recorded or anything. Mm, yes, yes. Fair enough. But no, honestly, I, I have never had since since the beginning through now any, anything but 
pleasant interactions with Evan. He's always, from the go, seemed like an outgoing and bright and happy and lovely individual to be interacting with. Oh, and here he is. Wow. Just on cue. Look at that. Hello. I'm here. I'm so sorry. Hello, hello. (laughs) Uh, Evan. (laughs) We were we were just doing first impressions with Sam, and he's uh, talking about his first impressions of you. Oh my god! Great timing. Also, talking hi about Sam. how you're you're trash. Hey. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. Wow, that was really funny. Yeah, he's wrapping up with you right now. Um, um, yeah, I mean, mostly I think really it's probably senior year when I got to know Evan better, really. And Agreed inquire and all much more interaction and surely he was one of one of a number of you all and others who were very welcoming to me in that environment and has been a joy to know since Hmm. now this this is jumping ahead uh Mm -hmm. uh to me but do you remember when i i saw you like signed up in Swigger, and we were doing tour guide training, and I just went up to you, and I was like yes. so pumped. I was like, "Dude, you're auditioning!" <laughs> I do remember that we were standing outside of Ellis, waiting for the morning tour organization to kick off, and you're like, "Hey, so I see you're signed up for Glide." Oh yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Man, that was a wild be- summer. Not because of that, because no, of tour guiding right. all year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, the, the be- thought of us just standing out in in front of Ellis waiting for the mob of of young preteens. I guess not preteens, but young teens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What it, were it, you it, doing, it, Jacob? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was outside of the ECEC. Exactly. Perspective ECEC. Waiting for the toddlers to come in. No, but really, Juniata, though, they're looking for everyone, preteens included. Yeah. That similarly, similarly to the story with Evan, that was the beginning of the year during which I, I happily came to know Jacob better than I had before. When I mean, freshman year in, in Sherwood, I was across the hall. That's right. Charlie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't remember many interactions. We were both horribly quiet freshmen at the time. Yeah. And, <laughs> And, I, and I, yeah. I, I had forgotten that because I mostly blocked out my memory of living in Sherwood because I was just in Sunderland all the time. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's where go. everyone else was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I do remember that, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I also I remember. remember being in, in band with you, and I was like, man, that guy's really yes. good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, that's lovely. But yeah, I was certainly... As as Nate can attest, and and yourself as well, and I suppose Jacob as well, that we we all came into Junietta Band, and uh, whether or not we improved or declined over its courses. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There's no no improvement, but probably probably a slight decline. Uh, but that's the mm-hmm. power of being in the Junietta, the premier uh, wind ensemble. Yes. But then wonderful, we wonderful we improved by dividends once we were all in the jazz ensemble together. Oh, absolutely! Oh, yes, oh, and the course. orchestra. Yeah, yeah, and orchestra. Oh, yeah. and the orchestra. That's right. Oh, yeah. good memories. Good yeah. memories. Was, well, yeah. Now, uh, Sam, what was that uh, yeah. overture that we played? Um, what was that kind of? I forget. Was which, it Beethoven's Fifth? 
Uh, it, um, uh, it was either the fifth or the ninth. I forget which. And okay, but it was it was uh, uh, it was a Beethoven piece, right? Yes, it was. Okay, so do you remember uh, as trumpet players? It was just the two of us who were playing trumpet, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. everyone had to be like super quiet, and we could just like be we could just be bombastic and be as loud as we wanted and stuff. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. It, we spent it was literally most of the time counting, dream. and then. Yeah, it was a trumpet's dream and, yeah. and thank thank you thank you so much i mean i i lost count after the second uh second bar you know counting to four <laughs> two times in a row and you know we'd have to do that 150 times before coming oh, in and play five notes yeah and sam yeah. you were you were a hell of a counter if i have to say <laughs> thank you i yeah I, uh, that in there was a fair part of it for which i would simply look right next to us, to to Jacob's stand to see his uh, entrance, most proximal to ours. And, <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, right. Whatever That's probably works. Most of what we did in orchestra because brass didn't play that often, and so we would just be kind of yeah. like, if we lost count, just side eye and see what everybody else is doing. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. You'd always rely on a good uh, anticipatory look and cue from Doctor Brian too, which which is us pretty readily into. My first impressions of His Excellency the Grand Rutabaga. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've gotten to know only in senior year as well, having come both of us back from abroad, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And found myself sitting in bands next to somebody new, which was great to have another person there. I mean, I wasn't all that familiar with my fellow trumpets theretofore. Right. Right, right. Sure. First impressions wise, it immediately strikes you as a goofy with with serious undertones where necessary, oh. <laughs> in, in a nice balance. Um, but that's what you need to uh, survive that together. That's a and, very good description of Nate. Yeah. <laughs> that's a nice yeah, thing anyone's ever said. Goofy with serious <laughs> undertones when needed. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's literally the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. It, I think. When you and the experiences thereafter bear that out, though, and that's right, that's right. I mean, I found very quickly in in just that one year that we were at school together, I, we found a lot of stuff in common and, and good points of relation, and just sort of like, ah, crap, we've only overlapped for this short amount of time, but right, made the most of it, I think. It was excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we get to extend our friendship because we live in the same town now. Outside of college. Exactly. So Which that's is awesome. making this whole pandemic business a hell of a lot more pleasant. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> having yeah, someone it, to go hike with or something. Right, right. We've been we've been uh, hiking and doing a lot of really neat things out uh, around here in, in State College. Uh, yeah. It's been uh, quite a relief. So absolutely. Uh, yeah. bef- before we move on to uh, to. Jacob Latour, I do notice that we have Owen in the call potentially okay. catching you up to speed. We're just doing some first impressions with Sam. Oh shit, Sam! <laughs> yeah, hey, how's it Talk going, to me, brother? Yeah, I, I have a fairly vivid recollection of my first encounter with and impression of Owen when we were both. It must have been the summer before we all started at Junietta. Owen and I independently happened to go down to watch a tennis match both interested in playing and uh it was 
there that we, we encountered one another. And I remember a sort of enveloping, sturdy handshake and uh, accompanying <laughs> good, nice, nice personality right off the bat. It was very evident. Um, that makes sense, yeah. has been enduringly the case. Um, I remember him asking, where are you from? I was like, oh, I'm from State College. And his response was, oh, so are you transferring in then? <laughs> and then his mother said, <laughs> nearby. <laughs> there was no reason he should have known that, but it has amused me since. <laughs> and I don't remember who, who the team would have been playing against, but that was the era of and the Our Swamp signs, and it was a good little moment there that has I mean, since that, that freshman year Owen and I both played tennis and I got to know him chiefly through that I think um, and, and found as, as he has observed a number of times since that it, it seems that we tend to approach a lot of things in fairly similar ways even though our interests and backgrounds are somewhat different and one another, we have an underlying series of similarities that, which is nice. Yeah, I remember that, Sam. Uh, yeah, on those courts don't exist anymore. It's now a, an art. Yeah, course, right? oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. It was those. Um, Shout out to the arts. And yeah, the arts. Hey, <laughs> listen, if you're thinking about the arts, uh... why? <laughs> Pick something else. God damn it. <laughs> It's like Bill um, Burnham's advice for people who want to be comedians. He's just like, give up. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want any competition. <laughs> but I, I, first thing, also, I'll just give you a little. Uh, yeah, I, Sam and I have kind of figured out over the years that we definitely, I think maybe we were brought up similarly or we just have similar personalities, but we tend yeah. to think of things. We, yeah, we tend to process things in a similar way, and uh, and and we have some overlapping interests. But um, yeah, I, I I feel like we've got a wavelength uh, that we connect on, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've always found it. It's very easy to have good conversations with you, Owen, that that don't get caught up in surface level. Back to your whole small talk conversation of earlier. It's it's easier to get to more in-depth, more interesting stuff. A real yeah. fan. Someone just fan. listened to our real small fan. talk episode. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah. Boy, that never happens. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have fans. Inform myself. Yeah. Good nice. Stuff. Well, what do you think of uh, Mr. Latour? Mr. Latour. Mm. Similar. Similar to my initial Some call him Jacob too. But yeah, I think Jacob, you uh, would have been one of those people I got to know through Frisbee as well, freshman year. Mm -hmm. uh, at, at which point it seemed to many of us in that group were enthusiastic and knew a little bit. And I think I, I can't speak for others there, but from my perspective, at least, you seem to be one of us who really knew what he was doing and had a heck of an arm on him and could really sort of lead the way a little bit in that environment, um, <laughs> which was neat to see. And I mean, I think we, we both have a similar sort of 
quietness on the frisbee field to a degree. Mm-hmm. Which I said, I don't know when really I would have had a significant conversation with you in those early years, but certainly later and throughout that, I to know you better, and that's that's been an excellent thing. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I agree with that like definitely. I think for a lot of us, like we started talking much more around our senior year. I don't yeah. know if that was <laughs> just because our, our friend group finally solidified by then. Yeah, I think yeah. That, that could have been it. Yeah. Uh, now, Sam, I also, he is not here. Actually, I don't think we've talked about his whole deal at the moment, but I am curious <laughs> to hear your first impressions with Harry <laughs> because I know your history with yes. him goes back much yeah, further than with any of us. Absolutely. <laughs> much, much further. Yeah. I have pretty good, good memories of my first time that I can remember interacting with Harry. My, my parents and theirs will, will tell you that we were sledding together as very, very small children, but I don't recall that exactly. But probably when we were maybe seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there, hmm. we had, uh, <laughs> Longtime friends has a big farm out by Huntington, and we'd always have like mm, the summer solstice, have a bunch of people over there, or whatever other cause for outdoor revelry we could find. Um, but as kids, one of the things we would often do was some sort of mashup between sword fighting with sticks and capture the flag, sort of, and just an excuse to run around and whack one another. But uh, nice. Yeah, it was it was entertaining. Yes, at that, <laughs> that stage, absolutely. Um, I, I remember the first time I recall encountering Harry. I I had become captured in the course of that game and was bemoaning my side's uh, ineptitude to get me out of it. And then here came this new freckled young kid who I I was aware that he was Harry, but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, so I was excited. Oh, all right. Here's a chance to sort of turn the tide. And uh, it was not not many minutes later when another of our younger friends, armed with a uh, PVC pipe, maybe twice his own height, caught Harry right in the neck and <laughs> left serious wilt and just this ringed impression for I don't know how long, but it was a, a, a vivid impression of Harry's person at the time. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that. that who among us hasn't wanted to do that to Harry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't really speak to my getting to know him particularly, which would have happened later. When we, we both went down to Guatemala a couple summers before I started at Juniata, and we got to know him there. We were interacting with kids at one of the schools, and he was, he was very, very warm and just another bright and caring personality, which is something that has over time just been emphasized over and again, that he is a, a very genuine and thoughtful person in the best of ways, with a, an appreciable layer of goofiness himself as well. Um, hmm. it's, 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 it's magnetic to a degree, and no end of entertainment. Very nice. Man, Sam, you're good with words and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to stumble over him. It's a nice Boy, trip. you talk pretty good. You do talk yeah, good. Here on the broker, we don't talk that good. 
Yeah. I got a real purdy mouth. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have anything of note for uh, Xander or Evan Brock? R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. By the way. <laughs> Evan, Evan Brock, I really, my earliest and most significant encounter with him, though I've had some brief and interesting conversations with him since, was uh, the two of us were being Harry's uh, speedo bedecked backup dancers for his oh, Mr. Juniata. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Evan, Evan was a great uh, person to sort of make light of the ridiculousness of it all, and we were all just comfortable with what else was there to do. And it was a nice time, I suppose. <laughs> it was amusing, <laughs> and, and he was good to get to know in that context, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And Xander, I'm not certain, but I like as not, I would have met him out at Harry's house at the lake as just another one of that gang who had good company and was nice and outgoing. And similarly, haven't haven't interacted a whole heck of a lot with him, at least in the recent past. But uh, yeah. Well, that uh, dare I say that's some of the best first impressions we've ever gotten on the brew crew. Oh. <laughs> By far, <laughs> absolutely. By far, glad. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we're, we're that's a fun exercise. Yeah, so happy to have you here, especially with what Jacob will bring us into uh, a very yeah. existential conversation. Uh, Indeed, which I hope I I don't butcher. <laughs> <laughs> so my my question is very relevant to what's what's happening with the rollout of the the covid vaccine but it's it's about what determines a person's worth in society and <laughs> yeah so uh yeah like i was i was saying it's it's related to the rollout of the covid vaccine and determining who actually gets it first and i i know most of it's based on who is immunocompromised. But then after that, it's the term who is considered essential within our society. And I know that's it's it's not the best compar- comparison, but um, if have any of you heard of the, the God Committee? I, I know the term. Uh, I, I you mean like from, you mean like from the good place? That's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, so so the the God Committee was created in 1961, and it was it was for the purpose of determining who would receive uh, hemodialysis. So mm-hmm. uh, this was for people that had kidney failure and would otherwise die because their their blood wouldn't be able to um, be filtered by their kidneys. So. 1960s uh these hemodialysis machines were created and they're insanely astronomically expensive so very few people could even receive the treatment but in uh, uh 1960 uh a teflon shunt actually was developed by university of washington and it made it super easy for people to actually receive treatment the only problem was there still wasn't enough machines to, to treat so many candidates. So what the um, 
Swedish hospital did uh, was create this God committee. It was, it was actually called the Admissions and Policies Committee of the Seattle Artificial Kidney Center at Swedish Hospital. And it was this group of seven, seven citizens that um, I think they included a lawyer, banker, minister, uh, housewife, state government official, labor leader, and surgeon. And it's supposed to encompass all different people across society. And their sole purpose was to determine who got treated by this hemodialysis machine. And and basically, if you didn't get treated, then you would die. Jesus. <laughs> now, this yeah, is so, 1960, so all of these people were white? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was implied. So I, I actually uh, listened to an awesome um, podcast about it. And sorry, I keep on plugging in uh, This American Life. Hey, uh, they, they talked about it, but there's a couple articles online that that just describe what happened in the committee, and the entire purpose of it was to determine who was most beneficial to, to society, and basically who would be allowed to live. And this committee was created so that the doctors who are treating these patients didn't have to make these difficult and hard decisions. And uh, what ended up happening is the members drew up all these different factors to weigh in who was worthy of getting uh, this dialysis treatment. And it included things such as like sex, uh, age, marital status, um, how many children they had, uh, their net worth, income and also like educational background among many other things just to determine how important they were and whether or not they're worth saving so this was a study no this was it wasn't a study it was a committee that actually chose who who got treated and who didn't would this be like a committee kind of like a, a far out committee like a something that wasn't known to the public or just, you know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah. Yeah. Like so, sure closed doors. No, it yeah. was, it was known to the public, but the members identities were protected. Hmm. Hmm. So how do we know it wasn't just like a conspiracy? What's the authority behind the government? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was actually um, selected <laughs> by the, airport. <laughs> the King County Medical Society. And it was professionally done and was made just for the purpose of uh, of trying to get doctors to not make these decisions, but another body altogether. Huh. And it's, well, it's yeah. pretty terrible because it was, yeah. it was saying who was uh, worth in society and who wasn't. And but, but that doesn't make sense to me that they would be using the word society because doesn't that just mean it's made up of a bunch of people who are like working together? So, it, I mean, it was it was done so that it was uh, all different people in different tiers of like a hierarchy by trying to determine who's better. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it was, 
all of these different ethical issues arose from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are there are there connections to what? See, this is far fetched, but are there connections? Are you trying to make connections to how like the COVID vaccine is being distributed, or is that does that not have any connection to this conversation? So it that's that is actually one of the connections I'm I'm bringing up. Just that mm -hmm. uh, with the COVID vaccine, um, how are we determining who's an essential worker and who's actually worthy of getting a vaccine? Because for my myself, I I got the vaccine. And I, I don't consider myself to have been essential over somebody else. I, I do find it unfair, and that's that's kind of what I'm I'm trying to bring up and yeah. how our society, not not government bodies, but how our own society determines who is important. Now, I I don't know if this is something that crossed your mind, but a couple of weeks ago when you sent this conversation topic to us in our group chat, I was I thought. I wonder if he realizes that that's basically the entire catalyst of the Y Men. <laughs> Shameless plug. The Y Men. Oh, oh, no, no, that that's the thing is because that's something that's like constantly in my mind. Not constantly, but you know what I mean. Uh, like right, right, so, right, there's right. a scene, and actually, Evan can can speak to this. Uh, so actually, let me go back further. I was writing the script in fall of 2018, uh, and I had just shown. Evan, a version of the script that included a scene where the main character, played by Xander, uh, was who is like a an, an up and coming uh, studying journalism uh, person uh, with his friend who is uh, trying to become a doctor uh, with a pr prospective student who has who just kind of like doesn't want to talk about the journalism part whatsoever. And Evan was like, "Does that really happen?" And I was like, oh, yeah, that it, it kind of happens all the time. And I'm not bitter about it, but it, it's just something that I can't help but notice that no one tends to want to talk about the things that I want to do. And so when we, Evan and I, were in, uh, was it, it was Delaware, uh, with, yep. uh, with an orchestra singing uh, Requiem for the Living by Dan Forrest, great piece. Uh, and great. these these lovely... Uh, older women came up to us and were like, "Oh, we're so happy that you're here. Uh, this, I, I hope that this is a good experience for you guys." And then they asked us what we were studying, and I was like, "Oh, I'm doing like uh, media writing and, and video stuff and stuff like that." And they were like, "Oh, cool. And you're doing marine bio, Evan? Oh, that's so." Good. And then they talked to you for like another fifteen minutes, and then you, and then at the end of that conversation, you're like, "Oh, okay, I get it." And again, it's not something that I'm bitter about, but it's this conversation of, of, you know, what is my place in society is, is something that is in my head. And, and so when, when you mention us talking about this, I'm like, man, I don't think I matter at all. And that's fine. <laughs> oh my oh gosh. gosh. Oh my God. Well, no, like if, if I'm just making videos I'm low on the list and I just have to accept that, you know, <laughs> but that's not, that's not just you. Your job isn't just like your job doesn't, they isn't describing you. just you. It's not binding to you yet. So like what you bring to society and what you, what you bring to your friends and your family and to the people around you in the society 
is so much more powerful than just what you consider your job is or what you consider your career is because I mean, that's so true because we're social people, right? Hmm. Like everything that you've contributed to us in our group in college, uh, that's like, you have to reevaluate your self-worth because you've created such an environment that's so much more powerful than what you think. Trying to evaluate the, the societal impact and significance of any one individual in, entails an examination of so many factors and branching pathways and possibilities and interactions that sure. it, it, it becomes the case that it's just really, really hard to start drawing lines through things. And then when you do that, in the situations where you're forced to do that, it oftentimes feels like this and, and is a really sticky ethical dilemma where you're it, it comes down at, at some stage to some sort of arbitrary delineation and cutoff and ranking and what is the basis for that and how can it be justified yeah. hey uh, i just wanted to say one thing um just before i i leave so i actually think jacob your evaluation uh i i'm not sure that it's depressing or or bad to think of to kind of think of yourself as as being lower down on the list of the vaccine, uh, the vaccine rollout. Um, and actually, I think, I mean, that's kind of the question that we've been asking ourselves as a society anyways, is that, you know, some people are going to have to wait. Um, and we've learned that turns out in a pandemic, um, you know, the garbage collectors, the waitresses and waiters, the people who, and teachers, and, you know, these are actually the essential workers, you know? Um, and I, I don't think it's kind of a demerit on character uh, to be conscious of that. Um, and if anything, I think it, it speaks for, for your, your selflessness. I think it's actually a good thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting, too, with the vaccine rollout. Um, we will be in a, eventually there will be a point where there is plenty of vaccine to go around. Um, whether that's later this year or even next year. Um, I mean, that's just inevitable given the ramping up of production. So this is certainly a temporary problem, but it does offer this kind of interesting society. And I think if a lot more people had a more selfless, introspective look you do, um, it might be a little bit easier to figure out that those ethics who gets and who doesn't um because i think a lot more people would be accepting of waiting or knowing that they really do if you're an immunocompromised covid facing doctor you probably should be getting sure it. Uh -huh. uh, i think there are there are there are easy answers um and there are are difficult uh there are ones that come from more difficult questions uh but if more people kind of had that thought of, well, maybe I, maybe my my spot isn't quite up there. You know? I think actually it would make it a lot easier the overall role. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. that that's that's kind of that's kind of my thing. But I am gonna go back to work. Um, oh, now doing the doing those tests. So right, right. enjoy the rest of the podcast, yeah. boys. And thanks uh, for hopping on. Thanks, so. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear the rest of the discussion. 
discussion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I want to add, add on. I want to add on to what Owen said. Uh, so previously in the conversation, this is what, I what I was talking about was uh, when when you were talking about your self worth or your societal worth, I uh, we I wasn't putting that into factoring with the the vaccine. So like when we add the vaccine portion, I completely agree with Owen that us, mm-hmm. that uh, young young uh, people who are who are relatively healthy are going to be further back in that line, right? Uh, and so I absolutely agree with with that. I want what I wanted to do earlier was defend uh, your uh, self worth and defend uh, and show you that you are so much more than just this uh, video, just your yeah, job. Right? And, and and I, I should uh, clarify. I didn't mean for that to be as depressing as it came off. I do want to want to clarify. Like obviously, in terms of. Uh, your place in, in society, generally speaking, uh, it does have a lot to do with your your place in in the community and how you uh, are interact with your your family and your friends and, and everything like that. And whoever needs to hear this, like you, you do matter. Everybody matters. Uh, That's what we're trying yeah, to where, where I'm where uh-huh. I'm coming from is yep. just in in terms of the product that I put out into the world. Uh, whether it is like my informational video is about some corporate product, or if it is something like the, not to sound pretentious artsy that I'm, I'm putting out into the world. I, I do think art is important in, in getting that out into the world and having people, uh, think about things or keeping people entertained, whatever the art is that you're producing, whatever that intention is. Uh, but it is just recognizing um, the the difference between what you're doing and what people like uh, doctors uh, interacting with immunocompromised people or, or teachers or or what have you. It is important to to make that distinction in this specific case. It's the impact that you make is what is is sort of a value that you add. In in a previous conversation, we had a previous podcast. We were talking about what our sort of dream place would be, and and you yeah. said it. You said it specifically. You said it very nicely in that you know I'm going to create content, and if that content moves someone, if that content touches someone, if that content uh, does something more than just be an uh, an entertainment, then I've done something for for the people around me or for the for the viewers. Yeah. And that's exactly what we do as artists, and that's what we strive to do, right? Yeah, and and that's enough for me, you know. <laughs> Like yeah. it'd be yes. great to have millions of viewers uh, for something that I make, but if if I can make a couple people laugh or or think about something uh, or just be moved, then that's a success <laughs> to me. So yeah, right. <laughs> not to make it all about uh, me or anything. I, I didn't mean to do it. I just wanted to kind of because because it, it is something that maybe was depressing to me earlier in life but but not so much anymore and and just something that is in my mind regarding these kinds of things right because you're no longer uh, valuing yourself by comparison uh which maybe is sort of an immature thing right uh and that is what we all maybe experience early on right we we compare ourselves we start that at an early age so maybe in our in your early uh, artistic career uh, you valued yourself based on uh, how well other people did or how many views other people got, right? Yeah. And once you grow past that, that's when you find out who you are and what you, what you can create. But to continue the conversation further, what, 
what I think is so interesting about the like the COVID vaccine itself is that the essential workers who are supposed to be getting this vaccine first, uh, but besides senior senior citizens, um, before COVID, those essential workers did not have that title. They weren't deemed essential. Uh, they nor were they deemed the highest people in society, right? And so that brings an interesting question because usually we, when evaluating like people's worth, it's usually like a uh, a physical asset like money, right? Or or possessions, or even how somebody looks, right? And that's interesting to say somebody who's going to get this um, a pandemic ending vaccine first is somebody we wouldn't necessarily right off the bat put it in that category of of having a lot of physical assets, right? Hmm. Hmm. The whole, the, the city starves without the farm idea. The, these yes. segments of the population are so often overlooked by people who have both bigger and better things to be doing. And then in a time like this, you come to realize and appreciate the necessary contributions. Right. Right. Nate, I would even take it one step further in that it's not just um, the members of our society that serve the most essential functions or what keeps our society going, but it's the people that are most at risk. So that touches on what we mentioned with senior citizens, but it also, you know, impacts uh, the homeless community. Right, um, right, right, right. People mm -hmm. in prisons, people that are um in immigration camps people that you know you know people that are living in um uh impacted housing housing i mean you know like there are there are people that are at serious risk right now that have um incredible worth right in society mm -hmm. but just that they don't are not working in an essential function right now doesn't mean that they shouldn't be at the top of the list Exactly. Especially because a lot of those folks can be in even more susceptible situations for the virus. Exactly. Yep. That's a, that's a very good point. And that's really, really important that you bring that up because that can get lost in a lot of conversations. Here's my, here's my question to you then. Are you like when we, you know, in 2023, when we come out of this pandemic, um, mm -hmm. do you think that this, um, value that we've now given to the people that um, are essential and <laughs> that people that deserve our respect mm -hmm. on, on a daily basis. Do you, do you believe that this is going to stick? No, absolutely not. Good question. Yeah, sadly, it no. It won't. It just won't. Mm -hmm. Because right now, uh, okay, this, this is, again, this is a very, this is me speaking off the top of my head without doing any research and being very biased, right? I'm just putting that out there right now. But the, I think the reason that these people are deemed essential is because they make other people a lot of money. That's the only reason they're deemed essential. Yes, we need to get our food, but those stores and those big chains, they go out, they go bankrupt. They go out of business without these people working. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know what the term is, but it, but it's when like big corporations will, reactionarily there's the new word for the podcast uh reactionarily uh make amends or donate money to something because one of their employees did this it it's the kind of thing right. where it 
I think the value is placed on this, on these mm-hmm. essential workers. Uh, some of them rightly so. I mean, most of them rightly so. Uh, but not because uh, their bosses or the corporations deem them essential, but because they need to for the moment uh, for PR, yeah. basically. Right. They're valued rightly so, but is it for the right reasons? Yeah. Or yeah. is it just that's a exactly. self-interested and, sympathy? And we'll find that out here real shortly once once this pandemic is over. I mean, we'll, we'll yep. absolutely see it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that, and that brings up another really interesting point. And, and this kind of is, again, another another road away from exactly the talking point we have. But it brings up the point of the government giving out money. Like, uh, is the amount of money they're giving out enough? No. Hmm. Are they giving out money so that they, so that, uh, they can continue to get people to vote for them? Maybe. Are they giving out money so that people, uh, like the government better or like the specific party better? Maybe. Hmm. Right. It's like, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's very, I mean, that all like talking about that and, uh, uh, I get like the talks around raising minimum wage and things like that. It kind of speaks to the way these like, like some people in government and obviously uh, pointing to myself, big idiot, don't know anything about anything. Just speculation here. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Like Nate's disclaimer. Um, But uh, the, these people in the government weren't big corporations who uh, like they, they think that minimum wage is enough or that this money is like the $600 or $1,400 is enough for us, but it isn't. And they're just so out of touch uh, with what the people actually need. But the it's, it's the like literally the minimum they can do. And as long as they're doing the minimum, that's fine by them. Right, it's, it's, it's like minimum they can. Yeah, they're they're lowering their evaluation for everyone. <laughs> yes, yes. The key, as far as they're concerned, I imagine again, falling in line with the same disclaimers, but it's the minimum they can do without facing massive backlash, and just right. run that line of we can get away with this. Yeah. Exactly. Now, Evan, Evan, I'm really interested to hear your take on this because. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just very interested to see what you think of all this conversation. Uh, in terms of, in terms of what, if, if... in terms of, uh, governments or large corporations, um, maybe putting on a facade, whether that is the amount of money to keep people happy or saying somebody is, uh, essential for their own PR and for their own, um, value. How can I, how can I like say this loudly enough? I'm just gonna put the microphone like basically on my mouth. This is gonna um, sound really clear now. You sound <laughs> really good. You should be doing this whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. One hundred percent. Absolutely. This like one hundred percent because the, um, the the profit that these major corporations are gaining is off of the labor and exploitation of the workers. I mean, mm-hmm. like. Just like point blank, right? Yep. Um, it's so so. Let's like uh, take like Amazon for example. Okay. We know that in so many of these uh, factories, uh, that the conditions are truly horrific. I like truly awful. There was a story um, of uh, a worker who was pregnant, 
and she was forced to lift her arms um, over her head multiple times um, and do other in, in physically intensive labor um, activities. And unfortunately, that led to uh, the, uh, uh, the miscarriage of her child. Right. Um, and an intense corporation like Amazon that is time and time again against giving their workers um, proper pay, proper benefits, proper working conditions. Proper bathroom breaks? Proper bathroom breaks. I mean, something so basic to humanity, and they won't even give that. And then to pair that with this like really positive PR campaign that is literally a, a smile, right? Like that's right. there. Um, no, I cannot believe that they are valuing uh, human life. I cannot believe that they are valuing the life of, of their workers. Because at the end of the day, they make money off of the, like I said, off of the labor of their workers. So mm -hmm. it benefits them to squeeze the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, no, I can't. I, I, I can't believe, and we can see this too, like in the healthcare industry as well. We call all of our uh, healthcare industry workers heroes, and we clap for them. Yet, at the beginning, if we remember correctly, like a lot of what the healthcare workers wanted was for people to stay home, and they needed the materials to do their job properly. So instead of funding them, instead of supporting them, we were simply doing like a facade of right. Yeah. And, right. yeah, and then it became, oh, you want us to clap out a window for you? Oh, I can do that. That's easy. <laughs> exactly. I I was also more interested in what you find uh, gives you self worth, and it, a little bit different from like just uh, targeting corporations and and vaccine, but even more basic of what makes you feel worthy. Not even in society, but to those around you and more personally to yourself. Thor style. Yeah, He's... because I didn't want to just focus it on a person's society because it's it's not quantifiable how important a person is because to to their uh, their children, they're the most important thing in the world. But to somebody all the way across the country who never seen this person why do they matter something along the lines of sure. that uh -huh. yeah well i think it's interesting to talk about the distinction or lack thereof uh between like self-worth and self self self-esteem mm -hmm. i think those are two important things to to talk about especially when talking about worth and worth in society um because many times and you could pr you probably can experience this that if you have a higher self-esteem uh, you believe in yourself more uh, or enough to believe that you have a higher self-worth in a society, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's uh, it's difficult for a society, especially a society living through a pandemic, to um, have people who are deemed essential uh, have low, low self-esteem because of their... I guess I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it's difficult. Does anyone understand what I'm trying to yeah, get at? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, but I'm I'm trying to talk outside of the, the pandemic and who's 
society is concerned sure. central because uh-huh. yeah well i guess we talked about how uh how for some of us and jacob novak how we uh how the things that we create uh give us uh, uh sort of our own feeling of self-worth right yeah absolutely and 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 i do want to say uh this this might be jumbled uh but to speak candidly uh you know for people uh and i know i know you're you're not talking about the pandemic specifically but but the pandemic accentuates this feeling of of low self-esteem and and self-worth uh for people who might be struggling with things like depression and anxiety and what Mm -hmm. i find uh helps in that case is not necessarily thinking about the things that you produce that uh give you self-worth but the connections you have with people and think and thinking about you know with your family your friends and, and your community and just thinking about those you know personal relationships um that can can help give uh worth to yourself um i guess is a way to put that um uh-huh. yeah if that makes sense <laughs> no oh, yeah, yeah. It, it totally does yeah if you're if if you're selfishly altruistic right it like it honestly just makes you feel better truly like <laughs> so yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm trying to think of um because maybe like onto jacob's point is that um i'm trying to think of like what would bring me self-worth if uh people weren't around right because a lot of it a lot of it comes back to being uh extremely social right because we're social creatures um and trying not to derive my self-worth from others and so i'm trying to be like okay if i'm on the that like tiny little desert island right mm-hmm. in a company, what what is going to fulfill my life and quite honestly like like right now what's coming to mind is just um ex- ex- experiencing the present moment as much as possible that you know? and that mm-hmm. and potentially uh uh being su- successful in your day if you if you say you're going to do something and you go out and do it uh whether there's people around you or not i think that that has holds a lot of value to yourself and you can mm-hmm. uh you end the day on a success right and i think that is huge and you do not need to be near groups of people or near anyone uh in particular for that right maybe uh, yeah if if, yeah. if a tree falls in a forest and no one's around to hear it, it does make a sound. Sure does. Right. Can you define success without uh, people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If if you the way I define it and and the way that I like to look at it is if I set something up, if I say I'm going to do something and I complete that, that was successful. So it does mm. not matter if there's other people involved. Because success for me is is deep down in my heart and my whole being, knowing that I completed something to the fullest extent it could be completed, that's successful. And it doesn't matter if you say that's successful or not, because deep down, I know. And if you don't complete that to the fullest extent and you think you did, but you don't, your gut will tell you that you didn't. That's the way that we're made, right? It's a very, it's a very physical 
yes. reaction. Yeah. yeah. And even even the steps along the way to that point of completion. I mean, like if I'm go through a day and I get to the end of it, I'm like, all right, I wrote a couple pages of the chapter I'm working on, or I rode my bicycle for a good amount of time, but I'd like to go further tomorrow. It's still a step of I can look back on this as a positive intention fulfilled. Yeah. More to come, but you've, you're plugging away. That's why goals are so important for us to continue to be successful. Right. Yeah. And, and just, it's just like give, giving yourself benchmarks that, you know, you can hit because that makes the larger goals much more manageable. Which is why I think the most successful people out there aren't relying on other people's applause when they uh, contribute or complete something. Mm-hmm. It's the cherry on top. Sure is. Right. Sure is. But yeah, that's that's why I wanted to discuss. And I'm, I'm glad that each one of you had a different opinion of what your self-worth was and where you derived that from, along with that society can't necessarily determine for another person who is <laughs> who's actually considered uh important sure and i think that's that's really cool and it's it's great to to hear all your different opinions on yeah that. if if we all had the same answer that would probably mean life is a lot sadder for a lot of people oh yeah <laughs> totally totally and it's i mean we're all very similar people uh but yeah we completely have different ideas of what what it means to be fulfilled in life right so yeah what's let's do last call this is kind of get around our our usual banter of talking about random things and uh is there any cool things that happened recently to you guys well i can't talk about wandavision for two weeks in a row (laughs) (laughs) i mean i can but i i won't so I okay. I finished um, this book called Probable in uh, Probable Impossibilities by Alan mm-hmm. Alan Lightman Lightman, um, and it was a lot. But <laughs> the one thing that is um, coming to mind is, and I'm probably gonna fuck this up, but um, so life in the universe is predicted to last around like 300 billion years, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's like as much time as um, it takes for atoms to hold together, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like things would just disperse. Um, but like it's thought that with like with the Big Bang, it was created like in a like negative 10 to the power of like 82 like ifs of a second so the reverse of that is like how long like the universe will be around before it like comes back again so the idea is like okay all matter and life in the universe will be around for three powers of ten but the universe as as itself will be around for 82 powers of ten which is really i i don't know like at first it was like really kind of terrifying so things like oh, like we're really <laughs> like we're really only here for like a hot second and then we're gone. 
but it's also kind of like beautiful, right? Um, because it means that because we have so little time, um, that we should honestly just make the best of it. Um, Nike, just do it. Full license to go for it. <laughs> there you go. And it's, I, mean, I, I think that was the biggest YOLO I've ever heard you say. <laughs> that, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, in 298 billion years from now, we're not going to exist. So might as well live it up, baby. Honestly, Honestly guys, YOLO. <laughs> Indeed. And there's and it's and it's kind of beautiful too. Like we're like we're kind of we will kind of live into infinity because the atoms that make up you and I. Um, you know, when we die and our bodies decay, our atoms will still be around, right? right. And they will become part yeah. of something. So we still got 300 billion years to go, guys. Like, no way. It'll be interesting to see how our self how self-worth uh, evolves. <laughs> I'll yeah. well, that's the, sort of an, an interesting connection there, right? That you look at this whole big terrifying grand scheme of things and some people's reaction is to think well what's the point and the parallel to that flipped around the other side is you get to decide what the point is and make of that whatever within your means you feel like making it yeah Mm, Yeah. good stuff i think a lot of people need to hear that a lot of people need to hear yeah. that. That's that's. I'm so happy you said that because, especially now, quarantined and stuff, we're not mm-hmm. waiting till it's over. Continue living your life, but yeah. in a safe way, and try to find things that you wouldn't have done previously, uh, and still be creative and stuff like that. That's, that's so right. important. This is, of course, not supporting the it's- people that say uh, that we need to live our life and then go. Oh, like, no, no. Party. no, 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 right. then you start encroaching on other people's. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. I, I'm more, more so thinking like in a safe way in your own house or wherever you are, mm-hmm. you know, continue to live a life and try to be creative in a safe way that doesn't, you're not just waiting for the pandemic to end, right? Yeah, you still have to live and you still have to, to do things that make yourself not just a potato. Yeah, mm-hmm. which leads actually into something that I've enjoyed this week, if I may take that segue. Yeah, um, which is that throughout this pandemic, stuck largely at home, um, one of the things I've done to sort of entertain and stimulate myself mentally is um, to pick up Duolingo, as I know. Yes, dear. Yeah. And, uh, I've been working with Irish Gaelic for the hell of it. Nice. Wow. Yeah, I saw Which the is, loading screen keeps saying a lot of people are learning Irish. I was like, maybe I should learn learn Irish. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, and who knows if I'll ever use it, but it's a good challenge. Yeah. And this, wow. this week, diving, I've been trying to do a little bit every day, and I've this week done a little more than that just to get back into gear a little yeah. bit. That is awesome. If that tells you anything yeah. about if that tells you anything about Sam, that's all you need to know. He's the type of person to pick uh, Gaelic uh, to to learn, which is awesome. I think that's amazing. This is um, yeah. can we all can we all follow each other on Duolingo? Because okay. I know like Jacob and I follow each other, but I think that oh, just nice. be <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody like 
I need yeah. to follow two more people for your, my your uh, for the achievement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so do I. Yeah. <laughs> you should exchange tags. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll send that to you. Well, uh, Nate, yeah. you and I can resist. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry that we're bettering ourselves. You sure are. You should... <laughs> so, so today uh, I drank uh, Miller High Life as good brew crew fashion to tell what I drank. And uh, what else? Uh... Uh, do you want to make? Should we use this platform to making an announcement? I think we can. I think we can make an announcement because I think there's folks on this platform uh, who might be interested in joining us uh, for a guest appearance. So, uh, Jacob uh, Novak. What what are we talking about here? Oh, I thought you were going to do it. No, no, no. It's uh, you. Well, Nate and I are starting another podcast uh, called Write That Down, uh, where we're talking about uh, basically our experiences uh, in video and writing and film and just our creative identities as a whole and talking about oh, our man. processes processes as normal people just struggling through it like everybody else. Uh, being people who haven't quote unquote made it, uh, and so we're we're starting up a a podcast about all that. Uh, yeah, write that down. Uh, launching this coming Thursday. Whoa, that's so Whoa, soon. That's really cool. Yeah, literally. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about my. my yeah, it's it's been relatively DL, <laughs> but uh-huh. for no reason right. in particular. <laughs> yeah, how long have you been been planning it for? Uh, a couple weeks now, I think. Yeah. Nearing on, nearing on uh, two weeks. I, I think we're looking for uh, uh, a potentially a more professional uh, sounding podcast. Uh, not more saying professional, this. professional but uh, <laughs> there's something very special about this that we have here at the Brew Crew. Yeah. Um, we're we're looking to uh, actually have conversations, specifically finding the niche, uh, the people out there who. Um, maybe can connect well with, with us who, who are just a step above amateurs uh, mm-hmm. instead of looking to YouTube for professionals and such to connect with us uh, because we're still out there trying to continue to learn and trying to get to that mastery level. But, but we are far from that. Yeah. Uh, cool. And we think that that's mm-hmm. something that uh, could be interesting uh, and for our own professional growth. Wow. Yeah. And, and and hopefully at some point we'll, uh, as Nate mentioned, have some guests that you might notice uh, yeah. from this here podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. uh, at, at some point, it's going to become a whole network that's going to have a uh, uh, WandaVision review podcast, <laughs> yes. a Brew Crew podcast, <laughs> and uh, a Write That Down podcast all within one network. There we go. <laughs> The Brutabaga Network. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you're gonna have you're gonna have three podcasts to listen to in a week. That's awesome. That's like an every other day yeah. uh, endeavor. <laughs> uh, also, just a, a quick bonus. I, I also just thought of another cool thing I did this week. I pulled out my trombone for the first time in like a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. Whoa. And that was fun. Uh, just uh, trying to get back into it, and and even though I can't play anywhere or perform with anyone, I, like I have arrangements that I could play and just record by myself for fun. So trying to right. work my way back yeah. up. So wow, that's awesome. Yeah. 
You've encouraged me to pick up the old trumpet, so maybe I'll do that this week as well. There you go. As soon as it's warm enough, Nate, we should meet in the park with horns. Dude, we are totally going to meet in the park with horns. Oh, dude. <laughs> I might yeah. have to drive up from Ohio for that. You absolutely there you go. do it. Yeah. Everyone, we can just do a jam in Orchard Park. <laughs> yeah. Well, little jazz sesh. Little oh, jazz yeah. sesh. Yeah. We'll get Owen with the triangle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> we'll get Evan a keyboard. Yeah. No, 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 I'll bring my violin. Oh, we got a violin. Oh, right. Yeah. Perfect. There we are. That way we're a classy jazz jazz, jazz group. Yeah, yeah, violin. Jacob, what are we? What are we giving you, Jacob? A drum set, a bass, what? euphonium at home. Euphonium. euphonium. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need that for our band. So <laughs> if you could bring the drum I'm, set, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, high class. <laughs> high class. It's it's better than the trombone. So I play. Okay. This is a, a fight up between there, buddy. Jacob one and Jacob two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I think unless there's something else for last call, we should probably wrap up this uh, this show. Yeah. Did, <laughs> yeah. did you have anything else yeah, you want to say, Jacob? No, no, that was that was it. I'm I'm glad we kind of went over all the topics I had envisioned talking about. So yeah, this was really nice, and I don't know, it made me me feel good, even though a lot of it was definitely existential like you're saying jacob and <laughs> was uncomfortable to talk about <laughs> um, i'm glad we did yeah i was definitely a little scared at the beginning <laughs> about like where we were gonna go with this yeah. oh are you talking about the god committee and who yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's so picture this you're god yeah <laughs> oh my <laughs> yeah well th thank you oh, for yeah. bringing that topic jacob that was great yeah yeah of course Who's hosting next week? I think we're gonna have to do oh. some internal. No drum roll. I mean, we. <laughs> it, it, it might yet. be my turn. I think it is. Yeah. All right. Unless... So next week and on yeah. the Brew Crew, Jacob Novak yeah. is going to be hosting. Unless, unless we get someone else in here that hasn't uh, been on in a while. But yeah, look forward to that. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, do you think it's going to be serious or a goofy one? Honestly, I have no idea. You'll just have to tune in and find out. Okay, should we clink out? Yeah, well, let's yeah. do it. This was the Brew Crew. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and hope you listen in next week. Cheers. Three, two, one. Cheers. Clink.